First thing I want to do is read uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. That sermon title is, is, is my own, okay? And I'm, so if, if this doesn't make sense, don't blame it on Billy Graham, blame it on me, okay? I have been to college and seminary, and I'm supposed to be trained in all of this stuff, but as I was reading this passage of Scripture, it overwhelmed me that here in Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13, Jesus gives a model of how to reach people for Christ. And folks, this is so simple. And, and this is not the only model that Jesus gives, but folks, I just want you to think about this. And, and, and I tell you this a lot, and, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic nor critical, but I, I wonder sometimes how many of you actually go home and, and read the passages of Scripture. I'm saying that again, not to belittle or criticize. I want to ask you, go home and read these, uh, what would this be, 9, 10, 11, five verses, five verses, and just let the Spirit of God speak to you about what is going on. And even as we read them this morning, listen to this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew. Now, some, some, some of the stories about this man, he's called Levi, but they're the same people, okay? He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. Next Sunday, we'll explain what this means. Matthew is at work. He is about his daily activities. He is not at church. He is not in the temple but in Matthew's day-to-day -day activities, Jesus reaches out to him. And listen to this. And Jesus, if you'll back up, I'm sorry. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he sat at table in the house. Now, now again, get this picture. And I forget if it's Mark or Luke uh, that each tell this story that, that Matthew invites Jesus to come to his house for a meal. Now, again, just think about this for just a second. Matthew's life has been radically changed by the Son of God. And he's following Jesus now. So Matthew wants to show his appreciation for the Lord, so he prepares a meal in verse 10. But look what else he does. And as he sat at table in his house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with Jesus and with his disciples. Folks, I believe that not only did Matthew prepare a meal or have a meal prepared, but he went out and invited all of his friends and even co-workers and fellow sinners so that they could meet this man, this Savior, this Son of God that Matthew had met. But look at verse 11. There's always opposition to the work of God. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples. Now, you know, I can just imagine this is not said directly to Jesus. You know how people want to get to you, and they don't exactly tell you face to face, and they kind of call it to the side. And I can hear them whispering now. And they're saying to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? We need to ask ourselves this question, why don't we eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why aren't we more involved in the lives of those that are lost? Verse 12, but when he heard it, he said, listen to these words of the Lord. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. We're going to get back to this passage of Scripture either later in the message or, or next week.
But let me just give you some notes from those verses, okay? Matthew received Jesus. He followed Jesus. And he wanted his friends and his co-workers to meet Jesus, so he prepared a meal and invited his friends. And guess what? Jesus did not turn down the invitation to come. And I believe that Jesus came, he taught those folks, he fellowshiped with sinners and tax collectors. And here's the point. Those who came got more than dinner. Think about that for just a second. Folks, sometimes I pray to God, well, I pray to him all the time that when you come, you get more than a sermon. Folks, this is a time to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a time to, to eat of the bread of life and to drink of the living waters and eat of the, the word of God. And folks, as we talk about what we need to talk about this morning, some of you are just going to push your side and say, it's not for me. And again, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to wake us up. Have you noticed? And, and, and I, nobody knew what my sermon was going to be except Fran because she types up the bulletin. But have you noticed everything has been about witnessing today? Well, Betty did know, and that's how she picked out the hymns. Folks, this morning I would like to share a program that the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is asking churches across America to participate in. And it's called My Hope with Billy Graham. It's a program that would actually take place around the second week in November of this year. And y'all might be saying, well, why are we going to wait that long? Well, the next six months would be spent preparing for this event by prayer and by identifying friends and neighbors and coworkers and fellow students and family members who do not yet know the Lord. And before I go any farther, let me ask you and myself some questions. And folks, here I believe are five questions that we must ask ourselves as followers of Christ. And I want to ask you to give honest answers, not out loud, but within your heart, okay? Here's question number one. Do you and I have family members, friends, neighbors, coworkers, fellow students who don't have a personal relationship with God through Christ? I'm not asking you to judge people. But I think all of us have an idea of whether or not we have family members and friends and co-workers who profess faith in Jesus Christ. There's so many things that would make that obvious. Would you not agree with that? And I feel all of us have family members and friends and neighbors and co-workers who don't have a personal relationship with God. Well, what is our responsibility? And folks, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you, but I'm saying it is our responsibility to share the love of Christ with others. Here's the second question. Do you and I have a burden and a desire that these people come to know Christ and be saved? Do we? Let me, I don't know how to word this, and I've been right, waiting for the right moment, and maybe this is it. I don't want you guys to think that I'm trying to judge anybody here. But I want to ask you, would you let me know that you know the Lord Jesus Christ? I'll never forget one day when I first moved up here, we were having a revival, and, and, and I went with the visiting uh, preacher, and we walked in somebody's home, and, and the preacher asked that person, do you know the Lord? And they became offended. They said, 
we've been members at Teresa for X number of years, and, and we're coming to the revival services. What more do you want? Folks, let me tell you something. Being ready to depart this life and to stand before God is not about where your church membership is at or whether or not you attend church. It is about having a personal relationship with God through his son who died on the cross for us that we've studied about for the last several Sundays. Amen. And, and folks, and you might be saying, I don't want to offend you, but folks, I want to know that you know. Because if you don't know and you don't have that hope in Christ, I want to share it with you. No one should end their life thinking, I hope I'll wake up on the other side in the arms of Jesus. This past week, I had an experience. Uh, I just want to share this with you. I, I, I don't, I'm going to ramble some this morning. Um, I, I was going to Chapel Hill, and, and I always go the back way through Hillsborough and then Highway 86. And there's a couple of schools along that route, and it was about school time, time to let out. And I, I said, Lord, I hope, I hope I'm not going to run into that bus traffic. Lord, I want to get to Chapel Hill and, um, and, and get on to Durham and, and get back to Roxborough. And, and here came the school buses. And, and I, I just, I could feel myself, I know one of those buses is going to stop. I'm going to have to stop. Well, sure enough. I had just, that thought had just went through my mind when a, a school bus stopped right in front of me. I was the first car in line that had to stop. And I thought, oh, brother. And all the cars were lined up down the street. I said, man, they're going to be unloading a bunch of young'uns off of that bus right there. And I remember the first two children that got off that bus. There were two dads waiting on the other side of the street. And as the first young boy ran across, I saw his father literally pick that boy up and hold him up in the air and embrace him. And then the second father, I saw it was a little bit older girl, and I understand after raising girls that they don't like to be kissed much in public, but that dad kissed his daughter right there in front of all the young'uns on the school bus and all the other parents. And she was just a grinning and a smiling. And this is what I want to tell you about. And this is a thought that God imprinted in my heart and my mind. We've had so many people that have died lately, and we've had a lot of people that are even now suffering. And it suddenly dawned on me that dying for the Christian is like getting off the school bus and your heavenly father is waiting there with you to embrace you. And I thought, thank you, God, for that school bus. And folks, I'm not trying to be dramatic this morning. I'm trying to say that at the end of life's journey, God wants to welcome us home. And there's only two destinations, heaven and hell. The way to heaven has been prepared for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And if we end up in hell, it is because we choose that way and that destination. Don't we know people that do not yet know the Lord? And this is what this is all about. Do we have that desire and burden? And folks, sometimes I believe we need to run the risk, risk of offending somebody 
to make sure that they know the Lord. I'm not asking you to condemn them, nor do I condemn Jesus did not condemn. He loved. He condemned sin, but he loved the sinner. Amen. He did. And, folks, this is what this is all about. Here's question number, number three. Would we be willing to follow and implement a plan of action that Jesus models in Matthew 9, 9 through 13? And, folks, let me point something out. Matthew did more than talk about bringing his friends to Jesus. He prepared a meal and invited them to meet Jesus. And folks, here's question number four. Would we be willing to take brief training as much as perhaps three hours, spend time in personal prayer and preparation for a time set aside in November to share the love of Christ with those who who we mentioned in, in question number one? And again, folks, I don't want to sound sarcastic this morning, but I want to lay this out on the line. Some of us might say, well, we really don't have time for training. We don't have time for prayer and preparation. We're so busy. But let me ask you something. How much time is our families and friends so worth? Would we be willing to give of time and of self? Jesus left heaven. Jesus emptied himself. Jesus humbled himself. He became obedient to God, death on the cross. Would we be willing to give of ourselves so that others could know Christ? In question number five, would we believe that Jesus would use us like he did Matthew to bring others to him? Folks, let me stop right there. I don't want you to answer yet, yes or no. But I want to ask you this coming week, will you take time, will you pray and consider what we're talking about? Would you share with me in the coming week that, yes, I'll be willing to be a Matthew? And we're going to explain what this is going to mean in just a minute, okay? Would you call me or see me? And there's some other folks that you can tell. Call Fran, Chris Clayton. Fran Clayton, uh, Colleen Briggs, they all went to this training. Michelle Clayton. Chris Yarbrough. What did I say, Chris? I got it on my notes, Chris, but I said the wrong Chris. I got you on my mind, brother. All right. Um, <laughs> but would you and I be willing to commit ourselves to this effort? Next Sunday at the end of the worship services, I'm going to ask if you would be willing to commit yourself that you would come to the altar and we'd have a time of prayer that God would lead and bless. But let me explain to you how would this work. And again, if this were a perfect world, you'd have this little brochure in your hands that you're going to have next Sunday, okay? Let me tell you what the Billy Graham Association is suggesting. Here are four steps. If you are willing to become a Matthew... Here's the four things that you'll need to do in the, coming, in the coming months. Number one, I don't know how well you can see this on the overhead. Number one, invite your friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus Christ to your home for a meal or for a dessert. Number two, watch a special program speech, uh, featuring special music, real-life stories, and a short message from Billy Graham. This, I think, the DVD is about 30 minutes. It'll be music testimonies, and then a brief message by Billy Graham. And then share. 
Now, here's what, where the hang-up might come. Share briefly how Jesus gave you hope and tell what he is doing in your life today. On the back of this little brochure, it tells about how to give a three-minute testimony. Have you ever thought about that? Just three minutes. Listen, listen how it breaks down. 30 seconds, tell what your life was like before you received Christ. 30 seconds, explain what caused you to turn to God. 60 seconds, share the circumstances of how you received him into your life. 30 seconds, repeat the prayer you prayed to receive Jesus Christ. And 30 seconds, explain how your life has been changed since Jesus came into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Three minutes. Three minutes. And the fourth thing is to ask. Ask your family member or friend if you would like, if they would like to make a decision. Folks, let me point a couple of things out, okay? First of all, this is going to happen in the privacy of your home. And there's something that I realize that I want to put forward to you, okay? The people, now on this little list, it's called the Matthew list. And there are 10 spots. You could name 10 people that you would like to invite to your house to see this video and to share the love of Christ with them. But, folks, I want to make this a little bit more personal. Do you have a spouse and you're not sure that they're saved? Do you have a brother or a sister? Do you have a child or a grandchild? It might be that your Matthew list will only be one person. It might be that most important person in your life, but you're, you're, you're concerned that they don't know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. It doesn't have to be ten people. It doesn't have to be people at work. It, this is why you need to pray about this. Folks, we so often watch TV, nobody will th feel threatened, will they, by watching. Um, it's either going to be a simulcast or we can get you the DVD of this, of this program. And I'm sure many of you are saying, well, I can't speak. I can't give a 30-second, uh, three-minute testimony. You remember what Moses said to God? God, I can't do this. I'm not an eloquent speaker. And you remember what uh, God said, who made man's mouth? Now think about that for just a second, folks. We can't, but God can. We can't do this, but God can. And it's all about our willingness to let God use us. And f wouldn't it be a joy to see our loved ones and to know that we're going to see them in heaven? Folks, we're giving our kids and our grandkids many, many things. Will we give them the love of Jesus Christ? Will we explain to them in a world that's trying to divert their attention away from God and away from Christ? Will we share with them how they can know Christ and walk with him and live in him and grow in him? How can we do this? Can we do this? Can Christ do this through us is the real question. The next overhead and again, this is going to be in this little brochure. You might be saying, well, not pay you. You're just talking about the brochure. That'll be all right, too, all right? After I retire, don't pay me, okay? Uh, here's five things that we need to do, okay? And, folks, let me point something out. Billy Graham, they've used this for the last 10 years, but you know where they've used it? In foreign countries. 
Christians have used this Matthew program in 57 countries and have applied these principles, and they've watched firsthand as God has radically changed millions of life. So how can you and I do this? Here's five steps. Number one, look around. Identify your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your fellow students, and family members who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Folks, write their names on, on the list either in this brochure that you're going to get or make up your own <laughs> prayer list. Whether you're going to invite these folks to your house or not, begin to look up, to pray every day for the people that you've listed. Are we diligently praying for people that we know have not yet found Christ? Are we praying? And folks, one of the greatest things we can do, especially for our family members, is lift them up in prayer and ask God to help them know him. Number three, we can look out. Look out for opportunities to build relationships with people on your list. And folks, again, this is why it's, it's put off for like six or seven months. It's a time of building relationship. Many people call this friendship evangelism where we begin the process of building a relationship with people so that they can trust us. We're not trying to manipulate them. We're not trying to uh, make them uh, believe in a Christ that we don't believe in. We need for them to see Christ in us. And folks, if people aren't seeing Christ in us, then the first thing we need to do is get right with God ourselves as Christians so that he can use us. We need to look forward. Look forward to the event in November. Invite the people on the list. Prepare the three-minute testimony that we would share. Pray for God's help as you and I invite our guest to receive Christ as Savior. And we need to look after. Look after those who we're going to invite, especially those that might receive Christ as Savior and we need to continue to build relationships with these people. How will you and I be helped as we prepare for this week in November? Well, folks, in the very near future, several of our church folks who have gone to the training sessions, and this will probably be done on Sunday afternoon, but they'll be leading, they'll be leading training sessions. We'll let you know when it is, okay? And it's not going to be something that hard or complicated. The Billy Graham Association has already provided the materials. One is called the Matthew Manual. Another is called My Decision, which explains the plan of salvation and has a prayer in it. Billy Graham has is, is always been one who would help people come to know the plan of salvation and how to receive Christ. And a final bit of information is living in Christ. It's a beginner's walk uh, of faith. And, folks, we'll have the materials, and we'll have people here that will help you to be instructed in this. And I know that some might be saying, and this is a fair question, how much will this cost the church? One thing I've always loved about Billy Graham, nothing. Absolutely nothing. If we choose to donate money to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, that will be fine. All the materials are free. Everything that we've already received, these leaflets are free. Here's question number two. How much will it cost you and me? 
It will cost us time and commitment. It will cost us time and prayer. It will cost us time to be instructed. Let me tell you what else it's going to cost. It's going to cost stretching of our faith. Turkey season opened yesterday. You knew I was going to get to that. You know the bad thing about turkey season is the morning after. Use a lot of muscles in walking and squatting and sitting and running and jumping and screaming and hollering that you have not used in a long, long time. And you're sore for a couple of days. But you know what? I love that soreness because that means I got to go to the woods. And folks, when you and I start thinking about stretching our faith and believing that God can and will use us to you know one of the greatest feelings that comes is after we have done work for the Lord. Paul talks about, especially in Philippians, he's sitting in prison, but he can talk about joy because the greatest joy he received in life was being used of God. Amen. And I believe that's true of a Christian. And there is no joy greater than knowing that we have served the living God and someone else has come to know Christ or we've been instrumental in leading that person over a period of years to come to know Christ. In the book of Hebrews, I believe, and I don't have this in my note, it talks about Jesus didn't dis despise the cross because he knew the joy that waited for him back in heaven with the Father. Folks, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we know that we had all those opportunities to say a word for him, what are we going to say? And he's going to say, you missed out on being part of my team and on the joy that I could have given you. Let me move on. The cost of a meal or a dessert, the time of preparation. Go buy some Bojangles chicken. It'll be all right, okay. What will be the benefits? I'll say this and I'll close, okay. What will be the benefits? Number one. You and I will grow in our faith and service to the Lord. Think of what this could do in you and in me. Number two, our church will be strengthened as we reach out to others in Jesus' name. Just think what God could do through this church if every member said, I want to try and win a person to the Lord Jesus Christ under his leadership and his power for his honor and glory. Amen. Just think what would happen we could see this community radically changed as well as our world. Folks, there are people that want to know the truth. Jesus is the truth. We just need to share it. And folks, I'll close with this. Not only will you and I grow in our faith and our church be strengthened, but most importantly, think about the eternal decisions made by individuals to receive Christ as their Savior. How did you and I become a Christian? Did we just suddenly show up at church one day and heard the invitation and ran forward and received Christ? Somebody prayed for us, didn't he? Somebody loved us. Somebody shared Jesus with us. And Jesus himself revealed himself to us. Folks, our Lord wants us to become part of his great plan. And folks... 
You know, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus talked about joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. How much joy would there be in my heart, in your heart, and in the heart of this church as we see people come to know Christ? Knowing that we appointed someone to the Savior. And you know, folks, when we stand before the Lord, and, and you know, I, I don't know how exactly that's going to be, um, but what a joy it will be to hear the Lord say, you know, I used you. You might not have known it. But I used you to win someone to Christ. It blesses my heart as I see people who are now adults in this church talk about the people in their life in this church that helped them see the Lord. And some of those folks that gave the greatest witness were some of the quietest folks in this church. You know that? Some of the ones perhaps couldn't stand in the pulpit or teach a Sunday school class, but day by day, Every day of the week, every hour of the day, they lived the life. They didn't just talk about it here. They lived it beyond the walls. And folks, that's what God is looking for us. Would we become a Matthew, not only for this, this week in, in November, but would we be a Matthew this afternoon and tomorrow? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray first for myself, Lord, I need to listen to this message. I need to see the model of Matthew bringing people to you. Father, pray for each one of us who are born-again Christians that we would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit today and we would become a Matthew for the Lord. And I pray, Father, that as you speak to our hearts, we would commit ourselves to be involved in this My Hope with Billy Graham program. And I pray, Lord, that you would lead us to pray, to invite, and to share the love of Jesus with others. And I pray, God, that we'll give you the time to be prepared and trained to invite others to come to our home and to have more than dinner, even to meet your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. This morning, our hymn of invitation is number 363, and it's let others see Jesus in you. And folks, that's basically what being a witness is all about, letting others see Jesus in us. I don't know what your need today is. Maybe today the Spirit of God has convicted you that, that you need to profess faith in Christ. You need to acknowledge to him that you're a sinner and that you're lost, but you believe in his cross through his blood that he died for you, and he'll give you that, you'll receive that forgiveness as you give your life to him. And my Christian brothers and sisters, are we witnesses? Are we living daily? Now's the time to make a new commitment as we prepare our hearts to be Matthews, whether we take part in the, in the November program or not, the Lord wants us, as Lee read out of Acts 1-8, to be his witnesses. The altar is open. Whatever God leads you to do, number 363, let's stand.